Gracias, mi amigos, for coming to the podcast. It's Top Turtle MMA Podcast on FlowCombat.com, and it is brought to you by Sisu Mouthguard. Sisu makes the best mouthguard ever invented. It's thin, it's lightweight, it's durable, you can talk, you can breathe, you can drink, all with the mouthguard in your mouth. More protection, less mouthguard. Head on over to SISUGuard.com. Find the right mouthguard for your sport or activity. This ain't yo mama's mouthguard. Also, we are brought to you by Band Coffee. Band Coffee makes the world's strongest coffee. Three times the amount of caffeine as your normal energy drink. If you do stuff during your day, if you need a little boost, head on over to bandcoffee.com. Enter in promo code TOPTURTLEMMA, all one word, not case sensitive. That's how we roll. And get yourself 20% off the world's strongest and best tasting coffee. Band Coffee and CC Mouthguards brings you this episode of Top Turtle MMA Podcast. And it starts right now. We are rolling. I am David Tremonti, joined as always by my co-host, Daniel Gumby Vreeland, Top Turtle MMA podcast on flowcombat.com. That's the mothership. We, of course, are available there. Also, TuneIn, Stitcher, SoundCloud, iTunes, Google Play, really wherever a podcast is being streamed. Give us a like, give us a subscribe, give us a download, write a review. We gosh darn appreciate it if you appreciate what we do here. Gumby, one of the things we're known for in our own head is that we like to get right into things, and there's nothing really more topical right now than the press conference tour of Floyd Mayweather and Conor McGregor from this week, hitting up four or five different cities. What did you make of the trash talk, and, and who do you think won? Uh, that that I, I will say I think that that's one of maybe the most annoying questions when you're out there on Twitter or MMA websites. Uh, I, I mean, even Flo did articles about it, and I love the guys at Flo about who won every stop. I, you, I, to me, you just don't win a press conference. Like uh, Everybody wins a press conference when people get jacked up for the fight. If Connor out-trash-talked Floyd on any stop, if it bought more people to bring more pay-per-view bop dollars in, Floyd won too. Like, mm-hmm. they both win every single time somebody does a really good job. And the fact that just about every single MMA podcast and every single MMA website is uh, covering a four-stop freaking uh, press conference week, and pretty much that's all people are covering right now, the fact that they're covering those four things, to me, makes it a win. Yeah, it's definitely a win for them. Here's who it's not a win for, the UFC. And I was thinking of this as I was catching up on some highlights of it, and I enjoyed the hell out of it. McGregor with the fuck you suit. The fuck and, you suit is so good. I love and, the fuck you suit. And, and, you know, I don't know if he has, like, a team of writers or it's just all original material, but McGregor's funny. I mean, he's a comedian, mm-hmm. okay? But that being said, here's who doesn't win, the UFC. The UFC has had their flattest six months, I would say, since the beginnings of the Zufa era. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you look at their buy rates, you look at International Fight Week, the prelim ratings on FS1 last Saturday were the lowest for an International Fight Week Saturday night prelim uh, in years. And Connor's off doing boxing. And there's just no hype right now, I feel, around the UFC. I feel like the product's a little flat. And, you know, I am so excited for UFC 214. Jones Cormier, Wood versus Maya, Cyborg's fighting. We have Tanya Evinger on the show later today. She's fighting Cyborg for the abandoned 145-pound female championship. But that all being said, I hope that kicks off kind of a run here because it just feels to me like, you know, this was great for the brand of Connor. And who's to say he ever comes back to the UFC after making $100 million in one night? 
but it hasn't been as good for the UFC. Yeah, I think you're right on that too. And to me, when I when I was thinking, I was thinking about this with my friends this weekend. Uh, to me, the best thing that could happen for the UFC, and and hear me out on this one, the best thing that I think that could happen for the UFC is that Connor could lose. Um, and, and here's why: I think if he wins, you never see him fight another MMA fighting game. Um, because if he wins, Floyd gets his rematch. They both make a fat stack of cash. Floyd wins the rematch. They fight for a trilogy. They get a fat <laughs> stack of cash again. At that point, he's half a billion dollars up. Connor mm-hmm. is at that point. Mm-hmm. He's mm-hmm. up half a billion bucks. And who the hell would fight? You know, best case scenario, the UFC can pay him $5 million to fight. Best case scenario. Who would fight for $5 million when you've got half a billion that you've made in your last three fights? Well, I, I agree with you I, on the numbers, though. I'm pretty sure it was disclosed that he made about $10 million. Maybe they could up it to 15 okay, but I so, so best case scenario, 15 20 right, versus the 100 Who, who fights right. for $20 million when you have half a billion in your last three? Well, the devil's advocate, too. There is going to be some, you know, maybe some boxing or casual fans who now know of Connor because of this fight. And if he does come back, to the UFC, maybe he makes more than the last time he fought in the UFC because he's only a bigger star. And I will say, like, I was driving around New York City this week, and on WFAN, the local sports talk radio show uh, station, fans were calling in to talk about the press conference. I've never heard that on WFAN. Yeah. It's all Yankees, Mets, Giants, Jets, Knicks calls. Um, so they're definitely reaching a stratosphere of the mainstream that no UFC fighter has ever achieved. Not even Ronda Rousey with the movies. Mm-hmm. This is way bigger. So when Connor does come back, would he make the hundred mil? No. Would he make more? Probably. But here's another thing I wanted to talk to you about. Uh, he did mention that he had his eye on two fights back in MMA. Uh, he said Nurga Medoff, which actually proves that Dana White wasn't lying about that. Mm-hmm. And two was the trilogy with Nate Diaz. So maybe if he does lose, because I agree with you, if he wins, he's going to... You're never going to see him again. Um, but the cage. that might be what you see later this year. And I'm sure Tony Ferguson is somewhere in a dark corner uh, just pissed. pissed. Yeah, because yeah. <laughs> he didn't even get well, the mention well, on that. Well, especially, too, if you think about like how people are matching up right now in that lightweight division. And, and now we're nowhere near having a title shot happening anytime soon. But you now have... Uh, Eddie Alvarez and Justin Gaethje are now locking horns. Excited about that fight. Yeah, so if Habib doesn't wind up with Tony Ferguson, where does that leave Tony Ferguson? I have no idea. Maybe Kevin Lee, and and while Kevin Lee's like a nice name right now. Ally Aquinta. Yeah, those those aren't like crazy good names. Like this is a guy who was supposed to fight Nurmagomedov recently, and he finds himself in this like shitty position. It is pretty. Yeah, it's pretty crazy at, at 155. At the very least, you could say 155 has a lot of depth. Mm-hmm. Um, you know what doesn't have a lot of depth is women's 145 pounds. Uh, obviously, we're gonna restart the division, so to speak, when Cyborg faces our guest today, Tony Avenger. But here's a question for you, Gumby: If you worked for the UFC and someone came to you and said you have to cut one division what's the division you cut one division all right so i, I i'll leave 145 women's 145 out because i don't believe it's even started yet in my opinion that's a fair yeah. kind of criteria there um in terms of competitiveness this i i guess you, you have to have two different th- versions of this one is from a business perspective what do you cut from a business perspective you cut uh flyweight flyweight 100 percent but from an entertainment point right now, just based on what I've seen recently, it might be heavyweight. Mm. You've got a, a champ in nothing else. You just saw the number two and number three contender square off in one of the most boring fights I've ever seen in my you, life. You're talking about Verdum and Over. Yeah, I mean, it was terrible. 
Kane's been on the shelf for like three and a half years or some goddamn thing, That's right? That's what Kane does. Like, wh- what do you have left there? I mean, you have one fun fight with Naganu and, and Dos Santos. Dos Santos beats Naganu. It's the worst thing that could happen for the UFC. It's per- then it's Stipe and everybody else. I, I hear what you're saying. It's it's a very weak division. Probably the weakest heavyweight's been ever. Maybe yeah. it's it's a weak weak division. But heavyweight, I feel like it could come back. There aren't a lot of heavyweights walking around, so it's not easy to restock when you need to restock it. But you have Naganu and. You know, there will be someone else. And also, we might be right now in the midst. If Stipe gets that third title defense, one, it would break a record. Mm -hmm. And we're also looking at talking about Stipe as one of the all-time greats. Think of who he has wins over now. He has wins over Verdum, who is an all-time great heavyweight, Mm -hmm. who has a win over Fedor. Overeem. He has a win over Overeem, all-time great heavyweight. He has a win over Mark Hunt, not an all-time great heavyweight. but, I mean, he's on that list. He's he's around. Yeah. He's kicking around. Uh, and then if he if Miocic were to beat Kane, I you know I think we would start talking about Miocic as one of the greatest ever. Yeah, yeah. But again, so uh, th- this is from you know we said from a business perspective, you can't cut heavyweight Mm-mm. because it, you have to have the baddest man in the world yes. on your roster. But also from a from a marketing perspective, you're right. Stipe is about to blow up big. I feel like, but from an entertainment perspective, right now, if you're not watching a heavyweight title fight. You don't want to see a heavyweight fight come up on the card. They could be a little rough. Yep. So, I mean, that's right now it's one of the more boring divisions. All right. Well, you said it yourself. The 145-pound female division, it's just getting started. It's almost like a reset after the ridiculousness of February with Holly coming up in weight and Jermaine Durandamy, for that matter, coming up in weight from 135. And now Jermaine being stripped because she didn't want to fight Cyborg. Go to the Wikipedia page. Read about the craziness. I can't keep talking about the women's 145-pound division and just how stupid it's been in the promotion and everything else. Mm -hmm. But we're resetting and we're excited because we're talking to Tanya Evinger, who's been an Invictum mainstay a really great fighter and now she gets her chance to fight cyborg at 145 pounds at ufc 214 at the end of this month and we got a chance to talk to her we will play you that interview now but i want to mention it is brought to you by banned coffee banned coffee makes the world's strongest coffee three times the amount of caffeine as your normal energy drink head on over to bandcoffee.com, enter in promo code topturtlemma all one word not case sensitive and get yourself 20 percent off Band Coffee brings you our interview with Tonya Evinger. We have the pleasure of talking to Tonya Evinger, who fights Cyborg Justiano at UFC 214. Uh, Tonya, you were really vocal about the UFC's choice uh, kind of not to sign you during your amazing run on Invicta. You had that huge win streak, uh, but, but it seemed like the call wasn't coming. H- how did the signing come about, and what was your reaction to finally getting that call from the UFC? Uh, it was good, you know, um, uh, you know, it is what it is. I, I definitely was just, uh, from my, on my side, I, I just was, you know, I didn't need to, um, like beg anybody for a fight. You know, I, I definitely felt like I fought for an amazing promotion and, and, you know, I was just super grateful to, to be where I was at and stuff. And, um, you know, I don't know. I was just trying to, trying to fight out, uh, my career as long as I can and, and, uh, wait for the opportunities that were given and, and, and try to just uh, take them, take them as they come. Here you are fighting for the UFC Women's Featherweight Championship. Obviously, Jermaine Durandamy was the first champion beating Holly Holm this past uh, February, and now you're fighting Cyborg for the uh, Featherweight Championship because GDR was stripped. What did you make of the UFC stripping Jermaine Durandamy of that title? 
you know, I think that uh, when you're a champion, you should fight everybody who's put in front of you. You're the champion. That means you're supposed to be the best there is. And, you know, that's kind of how I live my career. And I, and I think that that's probably how Cyborg lives her career. And, and you know, we, we fight everybody that's put in front of us. So, you know, it's uh, it's just one of them things that I think that uh, has to happen if uh, you refuse to fight people. And, and in this case, that's the, that's kind of what happens. So, you know, I, I just am excited to uh, have the opportunity to um, uh, jump in there and, and, and take this fight. I think it's a great opportunity. I think it's a huge fight. And I believe that it's it's uh, a great matchup, uh, two dominating champions, and and I think that, um, you know, I just I, I think that I'm I'm um, kind of a, a great option to to throw in there against her, and, and I think it's going to be a great fight. Now, you know, you make mention a champion should fight who's ever in front of them. Uh, Jermaine Durandamy, GDR, as she's sometimes known as, said she didn't want to fight Cyborg because of her checkered history with uh, popping for steroids a number of years ago. Is that a thought? I know, obviously, you signed up to fight her, so, you know, it wasn't enough to deter you from taking the fight. But is that something that does cross your mind, Cyborg's, you know, checkered history with steroids? Uh, yeah, you know, I don't care about that. Um, I think that everybody has their ups and downs in the sport and, and people, there's a lot of people that have popped for, for all kinds of stuff and, and not just, you know, Chris, it's, it's been several girls in the sport and, and for many different reasons and several guys in the sport for many different reasons. So, you know, it is what it is, but uh, at the end of the day, uh, she's in the division, she's fighting, she's signed with the UFC and she's passing her drug test now. So, I mean, really bringing up the old past and, and keep on talking about it. It's, it's not going to be a reason to uh, deter me from fighting her. I, I think that um, she's there and she's, she's in the game and, and she's, she's on the board. So you either fight her or you don't. And, uh, you know, you can make whatever reason you want to, what it comes down to is you just didn't want to fight her. So, you know, I, I, um, I think that, you know, if, if things uh, turn out and, and, and she does get popped again, then, you know, that's on her. It's, it's it is what it is. It's going to turn into a no contest or this or that, but I don't think she's going to fail. I think she's going to pass. I think she's, she's um, obviously probably taking this opportunity like anybody else would take it and, and serious about it and serious about her career. So I don't think that, that she's going to fail or anything. So that's not anything that I'm worried about or anything like that. Fair enough. And then, you know, it should be said as well, originally it was going to be Megan Anderson fighting Cyborg, and then Megan Anderson pulled out of the fight, uh, citing personal reasons. What did you make of that? I mean, I don't know if anything's ever really been cleared up about that, but this has just been a long road to get to you versus Cyborg at UFC 214. Yeah, you know, I don't know. I don't know what uh, her deal is. I I don't really care, to be honest. I think that, um, you know, her loss is is my gain, and and obviously... um, you know, that's how it should be. You know, I, I don't really, I don't really think about that fight. I, I, I just could care less. I, I just am looking at my own career and my own opportunities and stuff like that. But, uh, you know, it's a, you know, I think that, I think that, um, it was a little crazy how it went down and how fast it went down. And, and, uh, you know, I don't know. I, I, she just signed and then it was announced and then all of a sudden she's pulled out. So, you know, it was, it was a crazy turn of events and, and, uh, you know, I don't know. Fans seem like they're disappointed. She's not fighting, but but to be honest, I think I'm a much better matchup and and a much more dominating champion. So I think it's a much better fight anyway. Yeah, and and so let's let's talk a little bit about how quick all of that happened. So all that stuff happened super super quick to the point where there hasn't even been a whole lot of promo stuff out there too. Have you not felt like the pressure that that people going into title fights typically have to feel to do promos, or is that something that's coming up real soon? Um. Yeah. 
I just think that they don't care about us. <laughs> I think that they're so worried about uh, Pumpin' Jones and Cormier that they, they ain't give anybody on the card any kind of promo. So, you know, it kind of sucks on that end and, and you know, and, and being uh, on such a big card and, and out there on such a huge fight and the huge position on the card, you know, and, and um, it just sucks not to get any promo. But, I mean, I really, I really, um, it doesn't bother me because I think that, um I think that that's what they're selling. They're selling the Cormier and Jones fight, and, and that's kind of the, what you run into when you fight on such a big card. You're going to get uh, shadowed by by the bigger bigger names on the card. So you know, I, it's not like I'm I'm all butthurt about it or this or that. And uh, you know, I'm just going out there to fight. And I think that you know, winning that fight will will bring uh, a lot of attention in itself. And and I think that me Chris will put on a a good enough show that um, then we'll gain some fans and gain some attention and anyway, so. Yeah, absolutely. The The stage only does wonders for, for both of your careers, actually. Now, you, you mentioned that you think you match up really well with, with her. Uh, obviously, not very many people in history have ever matched up really well for her. What parts of your game do you think are particularly uh, best suited to handle, you know, the, the raw power that's been so difficult for so many other women? Uh, you know, I, I just think it's the... the... The type of fighter I am, I think that my style is is um, something that, that really knows how to fight against, and nobody knows how to imitate in a sense, you know. So um, I think I'm just I'm just a unique fighter, and, and so unorthodox. People, uh, you know, look at my game and they they pick it apart and see all these mistakes, but I mean they aren't mistakes. That's just how I fight. I, I fight that style and 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 that crazy look and that crazy unorthodox style that that. People don't like things that are, are different. So, you know, of course, I'm going to get the negative end of that and, and have to deal with that. But, man, I don't know. I think that I think that um, it works for me. And I, I win fights, and obviously it, it has shown in, in the last few years that I've been fighting. And I think it, it just took me a little bit to, to figure myself out. And I think that's what a lot of fighters need to do, stop fighting the way everybody else is fighting. Stop fighting a textbook style MMA fight and, and learn your strengths and what you're good at. And that's, what's going to win you fights. I mean, I, I just kind of understand my style and understand what works for me and what doesn't. And I go out there and do it. Absolutely. And, you know, coming up to 145, any consideration or hesitation, I should say, any hesitation there from you to come up to 145, obviously a great opportunity to fight really the biggest name in female fighting right now in cyborg and for the title. But you know, is that something that that maybe stays in the back of your mind? Are you looking forward to coming up to 145, or is it a pain? Uh, it doesn't matter to me. I think I'm fighting in in my right weight class. I think 135 is the weight class I I belong in, and and the reason I think that is because I think I can. I mean, I have went down and fought at 25, and I went up and fought. So I think if you're in the right weight class, you can move down if you want to, or move up and and not be so crazy of a jump that it makes that big a difference in your fight so i i think that it's not it's not uh too out of uh reality for me and and you know i i definitely uh i'm still cutting a lot of weight for this fight i, I think people have come at me like how much you got to gain for this fight man these people are naive to think we're only cutting five pounds and i cut a lot of weight and make 135 and i'm gonna cut a lot of weight to make this fight too um obviously she's cutting a little bit more than me but <laughs> you know at the end of the day we're both still cutting and we're both still you know, big girls and, and, um, you know, it's just, it's just a sport. So, you know, I, I'm, I'm definitely not going to let fear and, and stuff like that, um, take control and, and, and make decisions on whether I take fights or not. So, you know, I'm, I'm in here to compete. I'm in here to work and I'm going to take the opportunities that are given to me. And, you know, 
win or lose, that regret is so much worse than than um, <laughs> than the outcome of the fight. So you know, I, I just I'm going to take the opportunity. And I'm going to I'm going to jump in there in this fight. Absolutely. So well said. And, uh, you know, I've always wanted to ask you this. Uh, you gained so much publicity after dry heaving and kissing Laura Sanko after your title <laughs> victory. Was that planned or was that just spur of the moment? Uh, you know, it was planned. Um, I've been telling her for a long time, me and you were going to win moment of the year. Me and you, because the year before <laughs> I lost to a damn costume. A costume beat me and I think I should have won the year before. But I was like, man, it's, it seriously comes down to the fans and these girls in MMA, man, they get they get so many fans, um, and I just think I rub people the wrong way when they first meet me, and and they don't know how to take me, and they don't understand me and my humor and this and that, and they just don't like me. So, you know, I don't have a, as many fans on my side as a lot of these fighters, but uh, it doesn't matter. So I told her for a long time, Laura, me and you, and it ain't like I didn't know her. I didn't kiss some random girl. <laughs> so I know Laura, and she's uh, got a great sense of humor, and, and she's a good sport about everything, and I. I warned her and warned her, and after she's like, man, I didn't know you were going to do that, but, uh, you know, I was like, what else was I going to do to you in there? I mean, really, like, it was going to win us moment of the year. The year before, <laughs> I did something really drastic, and I lost to a costume, so obviously, I have to step up my game and do what I got to do, but, you know, I wouldn't have done that uh, for anybody else and, and with anybody else. Obviously, I wouldn't have done that with a stranger or a girl that didn't know me. She might have slapped us my face off so. <laughs> right so we won't expect you to do that to joe rogan if you beat uh cyborg oh, at the no, end of the no, no. i mean he's a, he's a dude as it is i only kiss the ladies <laughs> fair fair enough well uh listen tanya we can't thank you enough for the time you mentioned you know not having a lot of fans but i'll tell you what what an opportunity when you face cyborg if you're able to to pull off the win and become the new featherweight champion i, I think you're going to have a lot of fans maybe an uptick in twitter followers almost immediately so we can't thank you enough for the for the time and we wish you the best of luck in that fight hey thank you i appreciate you guys all right gumby there you have it tanya avenger yeah i've been a big fan of tanya avenger because of that you know exactly what she says has made her not too many fans that like humor that that straightforwardness that some people just don't get and i i find her hilarious and i I think she's been great for the the sport and she's going to be a big star at some point in time uh, I agree, um, and I love the moment of the dry heaving and then making <laughs> out with the announcer. Um, so, listen, we have a, a fight card coming up this weekend, Gumby. We, of course, are watching UFC Scotland right now while we tape, um, and there have been some really good undercard fights, actually, yeah. uh, but we can't comment on the main event just because of taping schedules. But we have another fight card right on its heels this Saturday coming to you from Strong Island. Gumby, you're going to be covering this fight for FlowCombat.com, or the, these uh, these fights for Flow Combat, right? Yeah, and it's very very exciting it's the first time i'm being covering uh, a ufc event live for flow combat so i really appreciate it from those guys absolutely and it's headlined by uh strong island's own chris weidman versus kelvin gaston this is ufc on fox 25 and this is a crossroads for chris weidman i want to just take you back gumby it was july of 2013 so literally four years ago that chris weidman had beaten anderson silva for the middleweight title and now here we all jumped off our couches and yelled as loud as we possibly could. And now here we are four years later and Weidman is on a three fight losing streak. He lost to Luke Rockhold to lose the title in December of 2015, then lost to Yoel Romero last November uh, KO in the third round. It was that flying knee as he was going for a takedown and then lost to Gegard Mousasi, albeit somewhat controversial, but I felt like he was tiring at that point in the fight. It's a three fight losing streak that Gegard Mousasi fight happened in April of this year and now Gegard of 
of course, is in Bellator. Uh, so I can't even imagine Weidman, the former champion, the man who beat Anderson Silva not once but twice, uh, if you count the second one as a loss because Anderson Silva's foot exploded, mm. whatever you want to call that. But, uh, you know, now he could be facing his fourth loss in a row, and he's going to be fighting Kelvin Gastelum, who's very much on the upswing. Since losing to Neil Magny via split decision back in November of 2015, he's reeled off wins against Johnny Hendricks and Tim Kennedy, and then a win over Vitor Belfort was overturned uh, because Gastelum tested positive for marijuana no crime in my book it's a three-fight win streak if you ask me who you got here gumby uh I, i'm going with with kelvin gaston i i just think his style is relentless it's pressure forward and, and right now chris weidman you, you pointed it out in, in that fight with gegar Mugsasi was tiring and, as as he was in the fight against luke rockhold yeah so i mean like there is that element to his game that that you like almost worry about now the losing streak has got to be taking a toll on him mentally. Um, I think fighting at home gives him a uh, an advantage, but I just don't see him as the same kind of fighter as Calvin Gastelum is right now. And that's might be as much of saying something about Gastelum as it is saying something about Weidman. Gastelum is a tough motherfucker. Um, has he ever been knocked out? No, he has not. And that's something with Gastelum. I mean, he is tough to finish, okay? He has two losses in his career. They're both by decision. I could see Weidman getting the decision. I don't see him knocking Gastelum out. I don't see him subbing him. Uh, I am picking Weidman just because I am a Weidman mark, as they say in professional wrestling fandom. Weidman, the plus 130 dog. Gastelum, a minus 150 favorite which is something, if you told me a year ago that Gastelum and Weidman would be matching up and Gastelum would be the favorite, I would have said, you're crazy, Jack. Um, you know, the next biggest fight on the card, and this is on the main card, but to me, this is the one with the most title implications. It's a bantamweight fight. It's Jimmy Rivera versus Thomas Almeida. Now, we had Jimmy Rivera on the show, I believe it was earlier this year, if not late last year, and quietly, Rivera has just reeled off Four wins in the UFC, uh, Marcus Brimage, Pedro Munoz, uh, Erie Alcantara, and beat Uriah Faber via unanimous decision. Took it to Uriah Faber. Took Took it to Uriah Uriah Faber. Hard. Almeida, a once uh, surging prospect, was stopped by Cody Garbrandt last May, but then came back and got a TKO over Albert Morales back in November of 2016. He could be right back in the title mix, obviously, with a big win over Jimmy Rivera. This is such an exciting fight. Who do you have here? I'm going with Jimmy Rivera, and I'm going for Jimmy Rivera because of that Cody Garbrandt fight. So when you think about what, what did Cody Garbrandt do that made it so difficult for Thomas Almeida, and it's... Short, power-packed punches, staying within himself and being really, really technical. And Jimmy Rivera does that. Jimmy Rivera comes forward. He throws compact, powerful punches, and he gets inside really well. Um, And Almeida needs to fight more at distance if he's going to win this fight. And I just don't think he can hold off that pressure from Rivera for that long. You know, Rivera showed it against Faber. Faber, who's notorious for the amount of pressure he gives, couldn't keep up with Jimmy Rivera, and I, I think that that's why Rivera wins this one. This is another exciting fight on the main card. You have, at 145 pounds, Darren Elkins over the, uh, off the huge win over Mursad Bekta, comeback of the oh year. Comeback the, of the history. KO in the third round this past March. He's on a four-fight win streak, wins over Robert Whiteford, Chas Skelly, Goodfredo Pepe, and then, of course, capping it off with the Mursad Bekta comeback, uh, come-from-behind win. He's going to be fighting Dennis Bermudez. Dennis Bermudez is coming off a KO loss to Chan Sung Jung back in February of this year, beat Roni Jason before that, beat Tatsua 
Kawajiri before that, but you know, if you peel it back a little more, he's two and three in his last five with losses to Jeremy Stevens and Ricardo Lamas as well. Who you got here? I'm going with the uh, who I'm guessing is the underdog here. I'm going with Darren Elkins. Darren Elkins is a plus one ninety five dog to Dennis Bermuda as the minus two thirty five yeah, favorite. I'm going to go with him anyway. I think since he's gone to uh, to Al- Team Alpha Male, he's just looked really, really, really tough. And um, I- I'd like to think that Justin Buckholtz is kind of changing people's career because he did it with we, we talked about this before he did it with clay guida uh clay guida's recent win just just showed how how damn good uh buckles is as a coach and i think the growth he's making with elkins and plus that last war elkins was in has just done um some real good to him i don't see bermuda as being able to wrestle him up from a standing position this could be a fight that elkins could win Absolutely. Um, and then the other fight on the main card is a light heavyweight fight. We won't break it down in depth, but who you got between Patrick Cummins and Gian Volante, the local Long Island prospect? I, I like Patrick Cummins. I just think he's too good of a wrestler, um, and, and he gives a lot of people trouble in that that realm. He's kind of got a bad rap because of his, his UFC debut being that fight with Daniel Cormier, but, but I like him in this fight. All right. Now, uh, you're covering this event for Flow. Uh, when you look at the prelims, which are on Fox, and then there's also uh, prelims to the prelims on Fight Pass, what's a fight people should look out for or a fighter that you would want someone to watch? Uh, you know, we had Shane Burgos on the show a few weeks ago, um, or last week maybe even. Uh, he's fighting Godofredo Pepe. you got to watch him. He's super, super exciting with the knockout over Charles Rosa last time. You know, I, it's funny. I actually made fun of the heavyweight division earlier today and said I might get rid of it. But I love me some Tim Johnson. Tim Great Johnson, stash. He's so fun to watch. Uh, he's going to be fighting Junior uh, Albini, who is a new Brazilian fighter into the scene. Um, and I'll also just throw in there Brian Kelleher coming off the win over Yuri Alcantara in his UFC debut in uh, Brazil. Finally gets his hometown fight. He'll be fighting Marlon Vera. Um, who just came off the win over Brad Pickett. So exciting fight there, too. All right. Well, listen, uh, that's going to be an exciting fight card. We, of course, can't comment on Gunnar Nelson versus Santiago Ponzanibio because it's happening as we tape this right now. But one other last thing I wanted to get your reaction on was the first Dana White Contender Series this past Tuesday. Oh, I really loved it. I, I wrote an article uh, about how much, um, how many things I think they did right in between the announcing crews, and, and I'll even say Snoopcast. Mm-hmm. While, while I watched it for one fight and was like, damn, this is terrible, the idea of bringing that to people I think is really, really smart. Um, I thought Eve Edwards did awesome on the mic. I would love to hear him on a, with like next to Brian Stan in like a three-person booth sort of deal, dissecting stuff, because he dissected positions really well. Um, I thought Laura Sanko uh, was really, really excellent with the backstage interviews. And to me, the big win of that whole show, Kurt and I, I didn't know that they were going to do this. Well, Kurt Hallbaugh, first of all, mammoth performance against Matt Bissett. But I think the real win for the show was that we get to find out who the UFC signed right away. Mm. With that, Dana White's looking for a fight. You sit around and you think, did they sign him? Did they not sign him? When do we get to book him? When do we get to know if they actually signed the show airs like freaking three months after he went and watched the fight. Wait, so catch me up on that because right when Bissett lost, and I'm a Bissett fan, obviously, I was disappointed and I turned off the TV. At oh, the they, end of the show, do they, they said, and, we're going to just hang around here for 10 minutes and uh, Dana will let us know who he signed. Oh. And so then they went to an interview with Laura Sanko and Dana White. So, and uh, she was like, 
who are you offering contracts to? And he said, well, we signed Kurt Hallbaugh and we signed Boston Salmon. So, That's awesome. See, yeah, I love, then, I love this and concept. Then, and then Kurt Hallbaugh and Boston Salmon were standing right there and they brought them in for interviews and Dana White kind of like just tapped them on the shoulder while they were walking by heading for there. So I just thought brilliant idea on how to do it. Instant gratification for a viewer and way better than like tough or Dana White's looking for a fight in that regard. Well, I'll throw out this reminder then. We had uh, Sean O'Malley on the show two weeks ago, and he's going to be the headliner for the second Dana White Contender Series. Yeah, I think he's actually the second-to-last fight now, but he, he originally was listed, at, I think, as the last one, but I think they might have switched it up. But uh, MMA Lab product, and he's super fun to watch, so make sure you check that one out. And that's Tuesday night on UFC Fight Pass. Gumby, this was another great episode. We thank the fans so much for allowing us to do this, and uh, you can follow us on Twitter, Top Turtle MMA. Email the show. We're accepting both love and hate mail right now. TopTurtleMMA at gmail.com. Thanks to FlowCombat.com, our mother ship. I'm David Tremonti. He is Daniel Gumby Vreeland. We'll be back next week.